Good evening, everyone. And we'd just like to take this opportunity to invite and thank you uh, so much for joining us here uh, with the Daughter of Zion Wednesday night prayer meeting. We know that God is a good God and that God is a God that is faithful, a God who is always uh, working on behalf of his, of his children. But we also serve a God that requires that we go about doing some things uh, because uh, what we have to understand is that we have been given the awesome privilege and helping to build God's kingdom. And when you begin to realize exactly what that, uh, what that whole responsibility is all about, uh, God trusts us so much uh, that he could, he could just speak a word and his kingdom will be rebuilt and restored back to uh, what it was before the fall of sin. But because God loves us so much, he wants us to be involved in this whole process. And so it becomes incumbent upon us all to go out and tell somebody about the goodness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because he says, when I be lifted up, I'll lift all men. I'll draw everybody to me. But I just need you to do some of the lifting. And so tonight we're going to examine a few texts of scripture uh, that calls into, calls us to uh, that charge that he has given us. And I would invite you uh, to just read along with me. Uh, if you would just turn your, your Bibles, your, your iPhones or whatever application you have uh, that has your Bible. And just turn to the book of Mark, the 11th chapter the 11th chapter of the book of Mark, and we're going to examine a few texts of scripture here as Jesus is going about with his disciples and understanding that although he's speaking in present tense with his disciples, he's also speaking in future tense to you and I. Uh, so I would invite you to just go there to the book of Mark, the 11th chapter, and we will begin reading just a few texts uh, there beginning at verse 12. And the Bible records there in the book of Mark chapter 11, uh, beginning with verse 12. It says that on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came and he happily, he met find anything therein. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for the times of figs were not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, no man eat fruit of thee here and after forever. And his disciples heard it. I've entitled our message for this afternoon, No Figs, No Figs. Father God, we are grateful and we're thankful for all of your kindness and your blessings. We pray, Father God, that we will find ourselves in a position where we're always bearing fruit. And we can only do that if we allow the Holy Spirit that you said that you was going to send to us. And it is here. Even in the midst of all of the chaos and the tragedies that we see, the Holy Spirit is still here working with us. And so, Father God, we are praying that you would help us to just grab hold of the charge that you've given us uh, so that when you come, you will find figs. We pray now that you would bless us throughout this message, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Jesus, in this particular uh, uh, text here, finds himself in the very last week of his earthly ministry. And he takes a moment to teach a lesson to his disciples. See, Jesus is always in the teaching business. He is traveling from Bethany back into Jerusalem. And when he becomes a little hungry, he's now in the text that we're reading says that he got a little hungry. And as he is walking, he sees in the distance a fig tree. The Bible says that he saw a fig tree afar off. And so as Jesus now in his physical nature uh, begins to get a little hungry, he begins to approach the tree. He begins to walk towards the tree. And as he is approaching the tree, he sees something about the tree. He sees that the tree is just full of leaves. There are, if the tree is in full bloom, there are leaves everywhere. So he goes to the tree hoping that he's going to find some fruit on the tree. 
Uh, he's hoping that somehow he, when he got to this full bloom tree full of leaves, uh, that he would find some figs to eat. But when he comes to the tree, the Bible says that he finds nothing on the tree. Because now the tree is so full of leaves, when he looks at it, he has the understanding that because it is having all of these leaves, that it has some fruit on it, but he finds nothing. But he goes with an expectation that he's going to find some fruit on this tree that has all of these leaves on it. But the Bible says that the time of the figs was not yet. In order to understand what is happening here, we need to examine these verses a little closer. See, the fig trees were a very common sight in Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 8. It can grow somewhat on a, as a vine or it could grow on stony ground, letting us know that whatever condition we find ourselves in, we should adapt to the surroundings and not let the surroundings tell us and dictate to us how we're going to be. We ought to be bearing fruit, uh, bearing fruit regardless of what we're going through. See, figs can also assume the expected shape of a tree in good soil, uh, attaining a height of 20 feet to 30 feet tall. Uh, let us, th this lets us know that when we plant our lives in the word of God, we can rise to our full potential. It doesn't matter that we started out as a little seed. When we find ourselves planted and rooted in Jesus, God will allow us to grow to our full potential. And that potential allows us to bear fruit that, so that we can begin to, uh, that, uh, begin to build the kingdom of God. See, figs also, uh, uh, first, uh, th the first planting uh, mentioned in the name of uh, uh, figs in scripture, uh, there in Genesis 3, 7. And among the last, uh, we find it there in Revelation 6, 13. See, they bear fruit twice a year in June and in August uh, or around September of every year. Uh, the June figs are uh, the first ripe figs, if you will, found there in the book of Hosea, chapter 9, verse 10. They grow on old wood and considered a delicacy. Stay with me. Uh, the August or the September figs grow on the new wood. And, 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 and when they grow, uh, they grow and they, they're just as good, but not quite as good. So stay with me. I'm, I'm going somewhere here. Uh, so when harvested, uh, the, those that grow uh, in the September, those new ones that grow, when they're harvested, they're often dried and pressed into cakes or strung out on cords and preserved from some, for some use in the winter. Are, are you with me? Again, the new figs are harvested and they're pressed sometimes into little cakes or they're strung out and they're preserved until the winter comes. In other words, the latter figs, if you will, are the young folks as, as it represents. Uh, they grow on the same tree as the old folks, uh, but they are held in reserve until the right time comes for them to be used. So young folks don't rush to, do, to get to a place where God doesn't have you appointed yet. Take your time and grow and become the figs God wants you to be. And when God is ready, when the time is right, God will begin to use you, take you out of reserve and put you on the front lines. See, in addition, Frigs were believed to have a medicinal value, and the cakes were often used to treat boils or other types of skin eruptions, Septic, uh, uh, Second Kings, chapter 20, verse 7. And to sit under one's vine uh, tree, or uh, one's own uh, uh, fig tree, symbolized prosperity in the Hebrew. Uh, we find that in First Kings, chapter 4, 25. In fact, when the prophets offered the people prosperity through their obedience, they, picked, they, they pictured an abundance of figs or grapes uh, sometimes, uh, both of which was extremely important in the Jewish agriculture. The common fig, which is mentioned over 60 times in the Bible, is one of the most important trees in the word of God. It is first mentioned in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, when Adam and Eve used it uh, to sow and it's their leaves in order to sew uh, them together to have uh, skirts and, and, and dressings to cover their nakedness. Figs were a vital part 
of the Middle Eastern diet as well. See, the fruit was sweet to the taste, Judges 9, 11. And to that, I can agree because I like figs. I, 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 but but, but I, I like my figs inside a little dough, uh, what we call fig newtons. I, I, I love me some figs so I can relate to the good, sweet taste of the fig. But but I want elderberry one here is wrapped around a little dough that comes in a package that says Nabisco fig newts. I, I, I love me some figs so I can understand how in the Eastern culture, the ancient culture, that they love figs as well. See, the fig trees were valued for their shade as well. It was a sign of peace and prosperity and to sit under the fig tree, uh, 2 Kings uh, 4.25, and it was under a fig tree that Jesus first saw Nathaniel. 1 John chapter 1, verse 48. See, in, in scripture, good figs were used as a picture of obedience. They were, they were symbolic of good, obedient believers. Uh, Jeremiah 24. Uh, verse two and three, uh, while rotten figs were often used as a picture of wicked men. Jeremiah chapter 24, verse through two, two to eight. See, the fig tree was used in the Old Testament uh, prophets as a sign of judgment as well. Isaiah chapter 34, verse four. Jeremiah chapter nine, verse 10 uh, and 16. Joel chapter one, verse five, seven. And we find it there in Micah chapter seven, one through six as well. It is common when we think of figs we have a picture of a bush, but fig trees can grow to be a height of 20 to 30 feet tall with a trunk somewhere around three feet in diameter. The spread of a fig's branches can be 25 to 30 feet. So the fig tree in the text is not a bush. It is a tree that Jesus goes to. In addition, figs are unusual in that they can produce as many as three single crops per year. Now, I, I know that here in South Florida, we like oranges and mangoes. Oh, we love the mangoes. But they're going to yield uh, normally just one crop a year. But the figs were so special in the culture that they yielded three crops a year. Somebody ought to say amen. And the first crop is produced on the old wood. Uh, early in the year, green knobs or buds appear at the end of the branches. Uh, they are called piggins. And while this fruit is not as juicy and rich, as the latter fruit, it is still quite delectable. See, after the pigum appears, the fig tree will grow its leaves and new growth will happen. Uh, the fig tree is unique in that it can be in full fruit, full of, full, full of uh, bloom at all, all at the same time. So it can be full of leaves, uh, be in full bloom and still be full of fruit as well. So when Jesus goes to the tree, uh, he understood that this tree was in full bloom, so it must have had some full fruit as well. It was logical to believe that if indeed the tree was going to advertise that it had figs, that it would have some figs. See, you and I got to understand that as we're advertising ourselves to be Christian, we got to have some figs on the tree. Are you with me? See, we can't go around in full bloom. Uh, telling the world that we're Christians. But when Jesus steps up and looks at us, he sees no figs on the tree. Uh, and, and there is a danger to looking like a fig tree in full bloom and not having any figs. Just stay with me. See, this tree had been given everything it needed to flourish. It was in a good location. It grew in good soil. It had enjoyed the sunshine and the rain. In fact, it was an Adventist tree, if you will. 
It had the best schools. It had Doja to go to when they were young. They had Miami Union to go to. They had Oakwood to go to in Southern. They had everything they needed, but somehow there was no figs on the tree. A fig tree in full bloom in April should have been covered with early fruit. Since the tree had no earthly fruit, it was a sign that there would be no sweet fruit when the time of harvest came. I, I think you missed that. Since the tree had no fruit on it when it should have had some fruit on it, when the harvest time came, even if the fruit began to bear later, it would not be sweet. It would not be as good as the early fruit. Now, I, 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 you may be saying, Elder, well, you know, if you're trying to equate this, equate this to Christianity, there are some people that bloom a little later than others. And yes, that is the case. That's why the Bible says that the fig tree bloomed three times. There are those who will bloom early. There are some of those who takes a little while and in midstream, they will begin to bloom. And then there are those who will come late at the 12th hour or at the 11th hour, and but they will bloom. See, it doesn't matter when you come, as long as you come. And when you come, God will allow the figs to begin to grow, but you can't advertise you got figs on your tree and there are no figs. So when the harvest time came, the tree had nothing to offer and thereby it became a useless fig tree. The tree was fit for nothing but to be cut down and fed to a fire. See, when we consider the text, we must take the text in context. In verse one through 11, uh, Jesus had just presented himself to Israel as her king. He had publicly declared his identity and Israel would ultimately reject him as their king. Now, Israel was just like the, fi the fruitless fig tree. They had all the signs of spiritual life, but they had no fruit. They were keeping the letter to the law. They were carrying out the temple ceremonies. Uh, they were observing the ancient feasts and the sacrifices. They were religious in every detail, but they had no spiritual fruit. I I I'm just so glad that we're not like ancient Israel today. Uh, when we indicate to the world, when we let our leaves begin to spread out, uh, we do so because we're producing fruit. Amen, somebody. See, Israel had been given every advantage that they could be afforded to a people. They had received the personal invitation and redemption of the God Almighty. They had been planted in a good land. They had the word of God the prophets of God and the temple of God. They had everything they needed to produce a spiritual bumper crop, but it remained fruitless. The state of Israel at that time provided, provides for you and I a strong message for you and me. See, what, what do you mean, Elder? See, when the Lord examines our lives, and he does, what does he see when he examines your life? We, we, like Israel, we come to church and we have a good time. Some of us will even brave church, even in the midst of a pandemic, we will show up, amen, somebody. And we want to come to the house of the Lord and we want to worship. And when we come and we worship, we say amen the loudest. We sing the loudest. We hold the Bibles under our arms, even at the job. Uh, so we tell everybody that we got a, a tree full of leaves. But when Jesus comes and look at your tree, what will he find? They see the leaves, but will they see any fruit? Now understand, understand, fruit is always, always the evidence of genuine salvation. 
When a person is saved by God's grace, they will bear fruit for his glory. Jesus says that I am the vine and ye are the branches. So let, let's unpack that for a minute. So when Jesus gives the example of the fig tree, Jesus says, I, I am the vine. I, I, I am how things grow on this tree. And, and because there was nothing growing, no fruit on the tree, it was an insult to Jesus, who is the vine, as he says in scripture. And, and if you've ever gone to a tree that has vines, you know that extending from the vine is the fruit. So in, the corollary is that if Jesus is the vine of your life, and your life is not yielding in a few fruit, then there's either something wrong with Jesus or there's something wrong with you. And, and I'm here to tell you, there's nothing wrong with my Jesus. My Jesus is a perfect God. Uh, the problem is somehow we don't bear the fruit that the vine is trying to force us to bear. And so Jesus gives this example. He gives this illustration that when I went to the tree, Elder, I, I, I didn't find anything. See, see now, uh, let, let, let me let me bring this to you. Let me let me just see if I can bring this home. Have you ever gone to the store, or or, or ever had uh, ever had anybody present something to you? They told you it was something, and you were all set on it. I, I recall once, and I'll get in trouble for giving this illustration, but I recall once my sister decided she was going to be like my mama, and she's going to make a cake. Now, now my mama made some cakes uh, every holiday. Thanksgiving and Christmas, that huge table was just lined up with all kinds of cakes and pies. Uh, pineapple cake, uh, upside down, uh, ups, right side up, uh, chocolate, and, and, and my favorite, caramel cake, it, uh, and, 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 and pound cake, and, and potato pies, and all kinds of things. There was some fruit on that table. There, when the harvest time came, if you will, there was some fruit on that table. But my sister decided one day she's going to make a cake. And, and, and God bless her. I, I, I was excited uh, because if she had been watching mama, stay with me. If she had been watching mama make cakes, then all she had to do was just duplicate what mama did. So my sister went in there and she got the bat. She got the flour. And back then you had the old kneader or whatever the calendar, whatever they call it. Uh, you put the flour in and you hold it up a little bit and you had to wind it and wind it and wind it and shift the flour and you let it fall into the bowl, then you put more in there and you keep doing it. I, I, I don't know, I can't, I'm not a baker. I, I love pastries, but I can't bake. So I can't explain the process to you other than they would just go and go and grind and grind, kneading the dough or whatever it was they were doing. And so she did all of that. She got all of the ingredients that was necessary to make that cake. And she put that cake together. And she, she did everything she had to do. She lined the pans with a little oil to make sure it didn't stick. So when it came out of the oven, she flipped it over and it would just fall gently on the plate, uh, all, both layers of the cake. And she did all of that. And, and when it was time and, and while it was baking, she made the icing. I, I, I used to love mama when she made caramel cakes. Uh, she took that milk and the butter and whatever she added to it. And you had to stir it and stir it to make sure it didn't burn. See, I, I, I was just one of those dumb kids who figured things out a little early. Right. I figured out that since I love caramel cake and mama used to make caramel cakes, I would stir the pot. It took 30, 40 minutes to make sure that it was done just right. But, but now what happened was after mama finished with that, pet, with that pot, with all of that stuff that she had just put on the cake, there was always some left. There was some residue left. It was just enough residue to make me happy. Are you with me today? 
See, and sometimes that's how life is. Uh, uh, God never gives us the residue. The, the residue that we experience is because God gave us an abundance and we wrecked it and now we're left with the residue. But somehow the residue tastes good when it comes from God. And so my sister took that thing, man, and she put it in there. And when she took it out, I'm looking, I'm just standing around. This is going to be some good cake. Oh, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to get a piece of this cake. And so I handed her the pot with the caramel filling in it. She laid it out just like mama and I'm sitting watching her. It's like, that's just how mama used to do it. This gonna be good. And when she finished, and when it cooled down a little bit, you gotta let it cool. And when it cooled down a little bit, I'm, I, helped, I, I helped do this cake. I, I helped make this cake. So I should get the first piece. So she said, go ahead and, and cut it. Cause I wanna make sure when mama come and she tastes this cake, I wanna make sure that she knows that I made the cake just as good as her. I got that cake, got me a little half a glass of milk. I sat down to what I thought was going to be a very good meal. I bit into the cake, and lo and behold, it tasted like cornbread. She had forgotten to put the sugar in the cake. See, see, see that's how we are sometimes in our own lives. See, God has already given us the recipe for baking the cake, if you will. But because we want to do it our way and because sometimes we get in such a hurry that what we end up doing, as opposed to baking cakes to present before the Lord, we give him cornbread disguised as cake. So have you ever had your mind so fixed on something and when you got it, it wasn't what you anticipated? Have you ever gone to somebody's house and it smelled good? Uh, watch that, Elder. Uh, but when you ate it, it didn't taste good. You had to smile through it. Yeah, this is a very good meal. Hallelujah. And when you got home, you said, I ain't never visiting sister so-and-so again because she presented this thing as a good meal and it was horrible. So uh, imagine if you would, how Jesus felt when he went to the tree. See, when, when you go somewhere with anticipation, uh, you are expecting something to take place. Uh, whether it's a preconceived idea, a notion, whatever it is, there is an expectation that you have when you go to retrieve or to get whatever it is you had planned to get. Bible says Jesus was hungry. Our God, our, our, our loving Savior had done so much work and now his physical body is hungry. And so he walks. Now, there are no cornfields to walk through to pluck corn. There are no wheat fields. And even if there were some wheat fields nearby, you have to process the wheat. You have to get it on the threshing floor and beat it and pound it and then make it into a cake. There was no time for that. And however, figs can be taken right off the tree, washed off a little bit and then eaten. And so Jesus figured, I'm going to solve my hunger right away because there are some figs on that tree because the tree was advertising that it had figs. So when he goes to the tree, the Bible says he goes to the tree. He looks at the tree, beautiful tree. It looked like a gorgeous Christian, if you will. Understand the symbolism here. And so when he looked at this Christian, he saw everything all neatly in place. The Christian was dressed just right. Uh, everything was in order, uh, had impeccable character, according to everybody that gave a testimony about it. Uh, everything was good and so forth. And, 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 and it looked like a good thing from afar. But when Jesus started examining that Christian, he realizes that it looked good, but like Paul said, it was nothing more than a trembling symbol. 
and a tinkling glass. There was nothing to it. It was hollow. There was nothing. And so Jesus, in using and giving this parable, giving this, this, this message, this analogy here, he's letting us know like a fig tree, he expects that when we come to the season in our life, that we will bring fruit edible for, for, for food. And the food that we give is to feed others so that they will be drawn to Christ and come to him and surrender their lives. But somehow we've gotten to the point now uh, and we can't blame the pandemic. We can't blame anything. We have to blame the fact that we have just decided that we're not gonna bear any fruit. We go through all of the trouble. We go through all of the agony and the pain. We do everything necessary to present ourselves as being a blooming tree. But when you look at us, there's no fruit on the tree. No figs. So, Elder, what's all of this about a fig tree? Jesus says he goes to the, the Bible says Jesus goes to the fig tree. He goes because he has an expectation of the tree. The tree looks like it's bearing fruit. It looks like it's in full bloom. Uh, but however, the Bible says now that it was not, the figs was not yet. The time of the figs was not yet. So one could look at this, there are two perspectives. One can look at this and say, well, Jesus, understanding the agriculture of the day, should have known that the tree didn't have any figs on it. So why would he go to a tree that he knows doesn't have any figs on it, expecting figs? Second school of thought to answer that question would be that at that time of season, the tree should not have been in bloom. It should not have advertised that it had fruit. So it's not the question of whether or not Jesus knew that in the agriculture of the day that it was not the time yet for the figs. He understood that. But what he was trying to illustrate to us and to the disciples is that if you're going to say you're something, then be it. Famous playwright once wrote, to thine self be true. If you're going to be a Christian, be a Christian. If you're not going to be a Christian, then just go be the best sinner. And I'm, I'm not encouraging anybody. I'm not giving license to go out and sin. But if you're going to not make heaven, then why are you wasting your time? I, I would encourage you, stop wasting your time and start doing what Jesus tells us to do. Because Jesus is coming to reward us. All of the trees that bear fruit, uh, the Bible says that, uh, that Jesus is coming to reward us. So uh, as a fig tree, that if you're going to begin to show your blooms, if you're going to begin to act like a Christian, then act like a Christian and bear fruit. Jesus says to the tree, when he sees the tree from afar off, he goes to the tree with an expectation, an expectation that I, I, I'm going to fulfill my hunger. See, let, let me put a, a comma there for a minute. See, the hunger that Jesus is expressing, metaphorically and symbolically, is that he has a hunger for his children. And so when he goes to this church that looks like that church without spot or down home, uh, died in the wool Adventist Christians to be inside the church. And so when he goes and knocks on the door of the church and the doors open, he looks inside and he sees nobody inside that beautiful church. Jesus says, I, you're, Daughter Zion, you're advertising that you're full of figs. But when I examine the tree, I see no figs. 
Is there a danger to Jesus checking your fig tree and not finding figs? As we begin to close, the Bible says that as he is walking from a distance, he starts out from afar, the Bible says. And so as he's walking, he sees the tree. He starts walking and perhaps pointed over to the tree and told the disciples, there's a tree. It has to be full of figs. It is in full bloom. Let us go so that we can eat and become full. Jesus goes over with the disciples and they go to the tree. And when he gets to the tree, Jesus should have been expecting that just right in front of him would have been a big giant fig. I, I have seen some that are so big, right, that I know it would make a whole lot of fig Newton cookies for elderberry. But he goes and he sees the tree and he doesn't see anything initially. And so he goes and he begins to parse through the tree, moving the leaves and, and, and looking all throughout the tree. Uh, he looks at the trunk of the tree and it looks healthy. And he looks all throughout the tree and he sees as he's looking all over the tree, he's looking for just a piece of fruit, just enough to feed him and the disciples. Perhaps if he had found some figs on the tree, what is going to happen next may not have happened. But as he is combing the tree, searching endlessly to find just one piece of fruit on the tree. He goes and he finds nothing on the tree. The Bible says there are no figs on the tree. Jesus looks at the tree and he says there in our text, the Bible says that after he has seen this tree from a distance, he goes over. And when he find no figs on the tree, Jesus says in verse 14 of our text, Jesus said, and answer unto it. I, I, I got to pause there for a minute. Now, if I'm one of the disciples and I go and I see Jesus talking to a tree, maybe I'm beginning to think a little, Jesus, is, 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 I, I, I know it's hot. I, I know you're hungry, but talking to a tree? Jesus, maybe we can just go into town and find something. I know it's the journey, but let's just go into town. Jesus is talking to a tree. The Bible says there in verse 14, and Jesus answered and said unto it, the tree, no man eat fruit of thee thereafter forever. Jesus takes a moment, talks to the tree, and lest the tree know, because you were a hypocrite. Hypocrites are something or someone that says one thing and lives the life of another. This tree was living the life when Jesus showed up of being a tree bearing fruit. But because Jesus found no fruit on the tree, the Bible says he cursed the tree and the tree withered up and died. So, so here's where we are as we close. Jesus again uses this tree as a symbolism, symbolic of what he sees you and I. Because of the value of the fig tree in that day and that economy, Jesus used this now to let us know that we are valuable, that he expects something from us, that as he did from the fig tree, these human fig trees that we are, Jesus expects us to go out and produce fruit. And when he comes and searches for the fruit and there are no fruit, 
then the Bible is, makes it very clear that it will wither up and die. So what is the Bible? What is Jesus saying to us in this text here? Jesus is saying that when I come and I approach the fig trees, that's you and I, that when I come and I approach the fig trees, I'm going to look to see if there's any fruit. If there are no fruit and the fruit that we are supposed to be bearing are souls for the kingdom. And when Jesus comes and sees that you and I have bared no souls for the kingdom, there's no fruits in our tree, just like he did with the tree here. The Bible says that we're going to be cast off into a lake of fire where we're going to burn and we will burn in totality. And that's how it will be forever. Jesus says that from this point forward, you will never bear any fig trees. You will never bear any figs because you're not going to do it because I'm going to cut you down and cast you into the fire. Jesus is letting us know in these scriptures, just like the fig tree, that if we don't bear fruit, when he comes and does his inspection and there are no fruits, he's going to cast us off into the lake of fire. I, I, I don't know about you, but, but I, I want when Jesus is to come and start looking at my fig tree, I want Jesus to be able to say, come, come, come here. I, I, I see some fruit on Elderberry's tree because the because just the converse of that is that if he finds no fruit on my tree, I'm going to be cut off and cut down just like the fig tree in this text. Family, I'm, I'm here to encourage you. I, I, I know it's hard and I know it's difficult. I know that we're still going through a pandemic and it seems as if every single day there's some new variant. But we serve a God that is able to protect us. Even now, we are still here. And God has us here for a purpose. That is to bear fruit. So whatever you do, never become discouraged. Just go about and let God know that I'm here to be used. I want you, Jesus, when you come and inspect me, I want you to find fruit. And if we pray that prayer so earnestly, that Jesus, I give myself totally to you, God will take you. And he will make you a producer of fruit so that when he comes, he will say to you, well done, my good and faithful fig tree. Enter down into the joy of the Lord and we will go back and live with him eternally. That, that is my aim and that is my goal. That one day, despite it all, despite what I've gone through, I want Jesus to say, well done, my fruit bearing fig tree. Father God, we are grateful and we're thankful that you have given us this message and text in your text. Let us know like the fig tree in the text, you're, you have an expectation of us, that expectation that we're going to bear fruit. Father God, we don't want you to come and look at us and say, no figs, because you've told us here in your holy word what happens to that fig tree that presents itself as being in full bloom yet has no figs, you've told us in this text what's going to happen. And Father, we, 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 we want to escape that fate. Uh, we want to live with you eternally. So Father God, we are praying that you would give us everything we need to bear fruit. We, we, all we have to do is plant ourselves in the soil called the Holy Spirit. And we know that we will grow not just as a bush, but you will allow us to grow as trees so that when others come, they will enjoy the shade of our branches, that shade being the word of God that we will cast down to them. We pray, Father God, that you would bless us and save us into your kingdom when you shall come. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Bear some fruit.